the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Shutters. Rules. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled Mother Grace. We hope that you enjoy it. Remember our phone number at any time you can call us. It is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. We appreciate you listening each and every day here on the program. I have some details I'd like to pass along to you, so stay with me for just a few minutes after we complete today. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with Mother Grace. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Kind Father. There are times in life we forget that that part of our family that is mother is part of you too. We know that the ancient religions taught that the earth is the mother and somehow we worship it, and that's why you de-emphasize that in terms of religion. But there are little vignettes in Scripture that show us that that part of the maternal instinct resides in the mind and heart of God. May we never forget it. May we understand it more deeply in Jesus and come to know you as more than Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Ingemar Olsen is a Swedish-born musician whose songs have inspired people around the world. Motivated by an era of deadbeat dads, he wrote a song that explores the notion that God is more than a father. And the title of one of these songs is God is Mother Too. It's an amazing song. His lyrics are not the stuff of Shakespeare's sonnets, but he tries hard. So here it is. Nobody loves you like mother. God is mother too. Just like a loving mother cares about you, ready to do all that she can do to see her children through, helping them find out where and when and how to. Nobody loves you like your mother. God is mother too. Our Heavenly Father is not a human He-Man more like a loving mother. And she hears her children cry, soothing away their pain as only she can. And then the lyrics. Mother's love goes a long, long way, high as a mountain, deeper than the ocean. Mother's love goes a long, long way. Love is from God and God is mother too. Now he's not exactly Shakespeare, but he has a profound thought nonetheless. In the Bible, God is our Father. In fact, when Jesus prayed that most famous prayer that we shape our prayers after, He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. And yet we find in the Scripture the profound truth that God is our mother too, in a way. There are qualities of a devoted mother that speak volumes about our loving God. There are parts of His nature that cannot be described in terms of a father only. The maternal instinct resides in the heart of God. A number of Bible passages utilize the figure of a mother to represent God. Here are a few. Deuteronomy 32, 11, 12. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them up on its pinions, the Lord alone did lead them, and there was no foreign God with him. Psalms 27, 10. 
For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Isaiah 66, 13. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Luke 14, 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not. In his less than brilliant lyrics, Ingemar Olsen has said it right. God is our mother too. Our study is taken from the life of Hannah. Her story begins in 1 Samuel 1 verse 1. Take your Bibles, open them up. Let's turn there. If you have your Bibles, it pays to interact with the scripture in your own Bible. In fact, I highly recommend you bring a nice, good ink pen, take notes, or highlight your Bible. How many of you mark in your Bibles? Raise your hand. How many of you are afraid to mark in your Bible? few of you. Go ahead and do it. What you can do is you can mark your Bible up in five years and buy another one that has no markings. And you file those things away. And what I have found is I have a series of Bibles which are kind of like a chronicle of my growth with God. So I would encourage you, if you feel comfortable, to mark them up. First Samuel 1 verse 1, Now there was a certain man from Ramathaim, Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. I mean, this is an amazing way to start a book in the Bible. It starts out with a family that is not ideal, a family that was created in the days of the judges when, according to the Scriptures, every man did what was right in his own eyes. We know that the ideal for marriage is not here described, but it is nonetheless here. He had two lives, and we find the tension that exists when rivals are in the home. Penina's name refers to a prized possession that one would naturally want to keep because of its obvious value. She's the favored wife, you would think, in terms of what she can offer. The name Penina literally means red jewel or pearl. The name can also mean profitable. She was the jewel of her family a profitable wife who bore children for her husband. I mean, in this day of religion and fertility, when it was all together, when fertility religions were the stamp and nature of devotion in the ancient world, she bore children, which means she had worth and value intrinsic because of what she could offer. Self-worth was based on fertility. Now, in contrast to Penina, Hannah's name is a plea for mercy based on her obvious poverty and need for help. The name Hannah literally means grace. She was the wife who was unproductive in fertility. She was the wife in need of children. She was the woman who could not produce on her own. She was the woman who had no children to sway her husband's heart. She was the woman who had no children to show her God's regard for her life. I mean, it was felt that if you couldn't have kids back then, that somehow the finger of God was resting upon you and the curse of God was in your life. And so she felt a heavy spiritual burden because she could not produce for her husband. Her only tie to life was her rival's family and her husband, but her rival's family that mocked her constantly for what she could not do. Her only tie to her husband's heart was the name Hannah, which means grace, a plea for grace. The Bible says Penina had children. Hannah had no children. Penina is the fruitful woman who has children all on her own. 
Hannah is the barren woman who cannot have children except by God's grace. And so we see a tension between the woman who can have children, it's easy, the woman who can't unless God does something to make her future open up. For Hannah to have children, God will have to work a miracle that breaks the laws of nature. You know, it's this way in the church too. For the church to grow, for us to grow in our own lives, for God's miracle to be manifested, He has to break the laws of nature in a way. He has to be the God that is over nature because it's not natural to have the intervention of God in our life. It is a supernatural intervention that brings grace to us. For Hannah to have children, a miracle must be in the mix of her life. Hannah represents everyone who trusts in God to work a miracle to bring life to a helpless and hopeless situation. Penina represents the beautiful and the strong who don't need God to work miracles in their lives. The self-sufficient type that can't fall on their knees and pray for God to intervene. They are satisfied. They are complete without God. They are very often the ones who persecutes the likes of Hannah. They are the ones who, in their inmost being, they come to church, but they don't come to church because they need God. They come to church because they like to show others how good they are at meeting the needs of others or how important they are in the church. In 1 Chronicles 6, 33-38, the Bible tells us that Elkanah was a descendant of Korah. Now that's an amazing connection here. Korah is famous for two things in the Bible. Number one, he rebelled against Moses in the desert. And number two... The earth opened its mouth and swallowed him and his house alive. Elkanah came from the line of Korah. Number 16, 32, and 33. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol to the grave and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. Now, evidently, Elkanah was descended from a fortunate child of Korah that was spared the fate of the rebellious house of Korah. You know, sometimes we read these stories and think there's no mercy in the mix. I mean, someone got away that day so that Elkanah could come into being. There was still a thread of that family line that was preserved as an evidence of God's grace that he looks upon the heart that is sincere, the heart that will break from rebellion, and he will lead that person into a future. So as the ground swallowed everyone else, one child was spared who separated from his father's house. Deuteronomy 24:16. Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. The line of Elkanah represents a break from the past. Elkanah was proof that good children can come from bad homes and that they can start all over again with God's help. And let me say that real clearly here. Good children can come from bad homes. I'll pause and say it again. Good children can come from bad homes. And bad homes can become God's homes through grace. I mean, this business of looking at somebody who's struggling or a young person who's struggling and say, well, it's because they came from that home has no place in the house of God. Friend, anyone who comes to the doors of this church, anyone who bothers to come to God and is drawn to God. That person is precious in the eyes of God. 
And I don't care if they come from a bad home, a good home, or an in-between home. If they come home to God, they're here. And we're all on equal ground with our loving Lord. And so the truth is, Elkanah was himself an evidence of God's grace. He knew that he was there because God had visited his past family line with grace and it preserved his ancient fathers so he could have his place in Israel. This is the context of 1 Samuel 1, 3, and 5. Now this man would go up from the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. Now look at verse 5. This is an amazing verse. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Elkanah didn't have to give Hannah an extra portion at all. In his kindness, he gave Hannah a double portion because she was twice as empty as everyone else. Friend, sometimes God sends people into our church who need twice as much grace as everyone else. Sometimes we meet wounded souls who need a double portion of grace to feel their sense of worth. Sometimes you may find that you are the one that needs that double portion of grace to be healed. And where else should you get it but in church? To come to the house of God to receive the double portion of the sacrifice. She came to Shiloh, the house of God, empty, empty, empty. And her husband gave her twice as much as everyone else at the sacred feast like Passover. Grace, grace to you, Hannah. Grace, grace, not just grace, but grace and grace. A double portion of comfort for the woman who could not provide a child. Isaiah 40 verse 1 describes God's attitude toward the empty. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The Bible says God pays His people back double for their sins. Am I right or wrong? How does it read? Wow, that doesn't sound like justice, does it? It's not justice, it's mercy. He pays you back double. The only word that is doubled in the context is the word comfort. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Pay her back a double measure of grace so she can be healed from her disgrace. That is God's justice for those who come to the sacrifice, who ask for a double measure of God's blessing. Elkanah was a living model of the grace of God. He gave Hannah a double portion of the sacrifice because she needed a double measure of grace to be healed. Have you ever come to church and you just felt empty? You felt like you've been doing your best to hang in there with God and somehow sickness gets you or a financial crisis attacks you? Or your faith is wobbly because you have been struggling with a sin that keeps popping up. And you come to church and you wonder if someone will notice your weakness and then you'll feel doubly bad. Friend, when you come into the presence of God, when you come into the house of God, according to God's plan in Jesus, there is a double measure of grace for you. Comfort, comfort. 
And so Elkanah gave her a double portion of the sacrifice. There's no sin there. It's altogether appropriate for Hannah. He gave Hannah a double portion because God is like that. There are people in life who need a double portion of the cross of Christ before they can be healed. Now, my Aunt Mary Ann is a great southern cook. How many of you like southern cooking? How many of you are northerners, like northern cooking? Okay, I've got a few northerners here. And I'm not putting you down, but I grew up in the south, so let me focus on my roots here a little bit. I'm actually slipping into a southern accent as I'm thinking about it. My Aunt Mary Ann, she's the one who taught me the expression, dear heart, because she would bring us over for Thanksgiving. We grew up in poverty. She knew that the only chance we had to have a real break was to come to her house, and she would cook fried chicken. She cooked mashed potatoes with that unhealthy gravy on the top. I'm a vegetarian, to be very frank with you, but... She could cook chicken. I sure wish that vegetarians could cook that veggie stuff as good as she could cook that fried chicken because it was something else. And she put it in that frying pan and there'd be lots of it on the table and she'd let the kids come to the table. In Southern culture, you're supposed to let the adults go first, but she let us come there. And I remember as we would take our plate, she said, Dear heart, do you have enough on that plate? Here, let me give you a double portion. And she just put as much food on the plate as you could. Of course, we leave smiling because we had this double portion of Aunt Mary Ann's grace. Well, when you come to church, when you come to Christ, when you come to God, and you're wondering if there's enough of God for you in your life, friend, God is like my Aunt Mary Ann. He takes everything that He has and He says, let me give you a double portion until you're full. You have grace that is abounding in your life till your needs are met, till joy, love, and peace replace the old obstacles of fear, of guilt, and depression. Let me give you that. It is not God's will that you should be satisfied with anything less than a double measure on the plate that comes from God. Penina represents the self-righteous church member who persecutes the woman who needs a double measure of grace. 1 Samuel 1.6 Her rival however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Year after year, Hannah ate the lamb. Year after year, she took a double measure of the sacrifice And year after year, her rival would mock and ridicule her for taking twice as much as everyone else. Penina's words are the words that every legalist levels against every sinner who comes to God for a double measure of mercy in the church. As a rule, the self-righteous persecute the people of God who come to feed on Jesus, the people of God who seek the righteousness of God, who need grace in their life. Penina's objection is archetypical. It is a timeless protest against grace. It is eloquent in every age, but it is wrong nonetheless because it is not the truth that the hurting heart needs. You only come to church, Hannah, she said, for what you can get. You only come to church for that double portion, Hannah. You only come to church to take. You only come to church, Hannah, to seek mercy. You only come to church to hide from the kind of person you know you really are. Verse 7 sadly reads, Penina would provoke Hannah so she would not eat. Now, ask yourself the question, have you in your life provoked someone in the church 
so they would not eat. Have you made yourself an obstacle to someone who needs the tender, compassionate words of God for mercy and grace? So one day she did the predictable. She set the sacrifice aside. One day she said, I have had enough of religion, God and church. I'm not going to eat. Weeping overcame her pursuit of God. One day her personal pain, her public persecution and problem became too much to ponder in private and to parade in public. And she was overcome with the redundancy of it all. There are people who come to church and they hear the words of the self-righteous critic and they leave church without food. And verse 8, Elkanah represents the attitude of Jesus Christ. He stands in direct contrast to his wife, Penina. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Now, friend, if you've come to church and some church members hurt your feelings, is not Jesus better to you than all of that? Is not the grace of God that comes through Him much more than anything that anyone can say to you or against you? I believe that our loving God in the gift of Jesus has overwhelmed any sorrow that can keep you away from God that can prevent your steps moving forward in faith. Elkanah sounds a lot like Jesus Christ when he comforted Mary at the tomb on resurrection morning. John twenty fifteen, Jesus said to Mary, Woman, why are you weeping? Just like Elkanah. The turning point in Hannah's sorrow comes in verse 9 when she takes the sacrifice and eats it anyway. I mean, there comes a time in life when you need to say it doesn't matter what a church member says. It doesn't matter what the preacher says. It doesn't matter whether the church has been good to me or not. I'm going to take Jesus Christ. I'm going to take the sacrifice of the cross. I'm going to apply it to my life no matter what anyone says to me. She stops listening to Penina and starts listening to God. She quits focusing on the objection of her critics and starts focusing on the cure for her sickness. She takes the double portion of grace because she really needs the double portion of grace and she seeks the face of God for grace. 1 Samuel 1.9 Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. You know, it's okay to pray that way. I mean, sometimes you think, well, you know, I pray, I need to have my act together. You have a good attitude. You know, if you have joy in your heart, pray with joy to God. If you have sadness in your heart, take it to God and pray in the sadness of your heart with weeping and bitterness too. What matters is going to God. Staying away from God is not the answer going to God. That's what she's doing here. Up to this point, Hannah had kept her prayers to herself. She had silently suffered in her sorrow with a solid stance. She had quietly carried her rival's ridicule and calumny. She had painfully pondered her personal perplexity. And suddenly she falls on her knees and she loses it before the loving God who finds the lost on their knees. Her prayer is recorded in verse 11. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, 
And I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never come on his head. I know young boys today would like to say, Mom, I don't want a razor on my head either. My son fights a haircut every time. Is my son unique? No. He fights a haircut. Mom, I want to let my hair grow long. Well, that's not what's happening here. This is a symbol of his devotion to God as a Nazarite. A special man of God, she says. Hannah's prayer proffers three pleas for grace. First, she calls on God to look at her. I mean, sometimes you get this feeling that God doesn't see you. Daniel said, cause your face to shine upon us. She says, Father God, look at me. Secondly, she calls on God to remember her. I mean, you can feel like God doesn't notice. Remember me. And then finally, she calls on God to not forget her. Now, she calls on God to remember her because she's been praying a long time. Remember those prayers. Remember my seeking after you. Remember I sought the double portion. Remember. But then it moves to the final point. She calls on God to not forget her, which is an intensification of point number two. In the first plea for grace, the call for God to look on her is the call for God to save her from her sins and her enemies. Psalms 25, 18, Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies for they are many and they hate me with violent hatred. That's the kind of prayer she's praying. In the second plea for grace, Hannah's call for God to remember the covenant he made with Abraham. I mean, she knew what that meant. She knew that that covenant meant fertility. It meant that his children would take over the earth. It meant that he would have children like the stars of heaven. She was a daughter of Abraham. Well, we've run completely out of time for today's message entitled Mother Grace. We'll complete this broadcast tomorrow. We hope that you will join us. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. You can call that telephone number at any time. We'd love to have you at the worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock at Cedar Ridge Community Church. You can find driving directions on the website, reachingyourheart.com. If you can help with the ongoing efforts of this ministry, we appreciate those donations. The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. You can find that address online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.